0: Good morning from my side. It is great to be with you this morning, and I'm seeing a few faces that I haven't seen for a while. Uh, It is wonderful to be with you in person. Um, I want to just give a bit of a disclaimer and not an apology as much as just to to ask you to bear with us, those of you that might be joining us for the first time today or if you're joining with us online for the first time. We are um, sort of on the back end of a series that we've been doing um, that, that is somewhat complex and it can be a little bit controversial, it can be a little bit sensitive because we are talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead and that's why the uh, title of the series is Familiar Stranger because for so many people, and I'm talking about actual followers of Jesus, so, so people that would consider themselves to be Christians, um, he, he does tend to be a bit of a stranger. Um, in fact, it 's often revealed to me when people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, like it does this for you or it does that for you, or it gives you power, which i don 't know about you, but if your husband or wife or mother or child referred to you as an it you 'd probably clap them into next week um, and it and it just it just reveals um, a lack of understanding which which probably has a lot to do with the responsibility of us as leaders, and whether or not you know we we help debunk some of the myths and and maybe help teach um, appropriately. And I've made the statement now a few times. I'll say it again: that chances are the bulk of any experience or interaction that you have with God. So if you're in a relationship with God, and you there are times where you feel encouraged, or you feel prompted, or you feel Him challenging you to apologize, or forgive, or to uh, perhaps engage. an act of kindness, or maybe you just feel comforted, or you feel a supernatural sense of God's peace when you're facing anxiety, most of the things that we uh, would consider or would put under the umbrella of talking to God, hearing God, experiencing God, chances are the vast majority of that is actually our interaction with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He is a he, in the sense that he is a person, And so just to kind of recap some of the thoughts that we have uh, gone through over the last few weeks. By the way, um, we, we, we're busy tackling spiritual gifts just so that we don't s- uh, slip past this slide. Uh, I'll unpack this a little bit more in a moment. But for those of you following on the version notes and those of you that are joining us online and maybe you're taking a look at the notes uh, in the tab, There are four particular passages of Scripture in the New Testament that refers in in particular to the gifts of the Holy Spirit or spiritual gifts, and that is in uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. So we're not getting to unpack every element of every Scripture every week, but just in case, in fact, I'd encourage you to go in your own time and just to read through those chapters, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, but... Couple of recaps very quickly. Number one, he is a person. I've mentioned that already, which means that that it actually speaks to the fact that we get to enjoy a relationship with him. We get to appreciate and allow him to, to fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He offers power. Power doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be noticeable to other people, although chances are over time it will become noticeable. So the more loving you become, I think the more people will notice and appreciate that about you. Um, or the more peaceful you are when everyone around you is falling to pieces and, and is anxiety ridden. And, and even though the circumstances haven't changed, there, is, there seems to be a supernatural peace about you. Those are some of the examples that are that referred to when we talk about power. It doesn't only have to be the dramatic. Although, I don't know if this is, weird for some of you, but there are times where it is dramatic in a sense of, I mean, a few years ago, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next Sunday, but a few years ago, I think it was on, our, on my last trip to Zambia, where we actually showed a video that was sped up. Um, is, that, is that what you call time lapse? Okay, so where it was sped up, where, where, where a group of people, I'll explain more next week, but, but felt a particular burden to pray for a lady where one leg was very, very clearly shorter than the other. We're in the village, It is incredibly remote, very rustic, and if you watch the video, you literally, without without her moving, without anything else happening, as, as the team are just praying for her, nothing, no one's shouting, screaming, performing, doing any rituals, just as they're just asking God to heal her, as the time lapse goes on, so to the naked eye, you wouldn't see it, but as the time lapse goes on, you literally see the one leg extending and lengthening next to the other. I'm saying there are times where there is the dramatic, And I think that even at our core, even if you're not in a relationship with God, there's something in you that tends to believe that maybe there is. Extra power than just what we're able to do in the natural. Why do you think fantasy movies are the best-selling? I mean, I don't understand it. The the genre doesn't do much for me. But fantasy movies are typically the best-selling movies. People, (laughs) now I get an amen. People love you know, there's something in him that resonates with the idea of something that's just a little bit extraordinary. Harry Potter was pretty popular. (laughs) Whatever your opinion, I'm just saying. It spoke to a certain appetite. Anyway, he offers power, but I want to make it clear that it's in us and through us. Personally, personally, I think my, my conviction and my hope is that followers of Jesus will always be concerned with his power in us first. And through our seconds, so so in us from a character formation point of view, we need to grow in goodness. we need to grow in love and kindness and peace and generosity. I think so much damage has been done over the years where there appears to be power on the outside or through someone, but the more you get to find out about the person, there seems to be no power in them for them to actually grow and, and change and and mature. And I'm just telling you, when it's all said and done, your kids want the power to be in you before it's through you. If you're a leader, if you're an employer, if you're a manager, I promise you, I promise you, your people ultimately will appreciate you becoming someone before just what you can get done. Okay, clearly, I can go down many rabbit trails. Another thought is that he gives our lives purpose. He being the Holy Spirit, he actually gives us purpose. He he reminds us, he reveals to us what God's plan is for our lives. If you stay in this church for any period of time, you'll hear me quote Ephesians 2 verse 10 over and over and over again. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to to walk in the good works that He's prepared for us in advance. He's prepared good works for you. The Holy Spirit reminds you of that and, and leads you. And again, you'll hear me say this all the time, that where you are most of the time is where God wants to use you the most. That's my opinion where you are the most. So it's not only restricted to a church event or program or a ministry, He gives us purpose. This next part, man, I, I wish, you know, you know when, you be able, when you wanna be able to grab someone that's just missing it or discouraged and you wanna be able to like just shake them in the, the most loving way possible, <laughs> but with aggression and passion, like you're not sure which is which, so that they get, this, so, that, so that they, so that they realize what's available. Every follower of Jesus has a spiritual gift. It's not for the privileged. It's not for the educated. It's not for the aged. It's not for people of a certain gender or a certain race. Every follower of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has at least has been given at least one spiritual gift. The three passages that we will always refer to in this context are Romans 12, verse six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. 1 Peter 4:10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. You don't have to be able to understand Greek or Hebrew. Just read the English, okay? You've been, if you are following Jesus, you have been given a gift. Now, what messes with our heads is the fact that we will often not feel qualified. In fact, in fact, I would, I would say that it's not a bad thing for you to sometimes feel unqualified, to realize that God is entrusting something special to, a, to an imperfect vessel. Yeah. That, that should keep us humble. It should also help us to maintain an attitude of humility to others that have got a spiritual gift, but where they're still growing in character and where maybe they're imperfect. John Thompson in his book, Convergence, said that God wants to use his gifts through us while he continues to work on us. Can I say that again? Because there might just be someone here today that actually needs to let that sink in. Maybe you don't need to hear anything else today. Maybe you just need to hear the fact that God might actually still work through you while he continues to work on you. Yeah. That's n- Please don't misunderstand. That is not an excuse to not care about our character, to not care about integrity. There's a, there's a huge difference between, between imperfection attached to humility that is wanting to grow and imperfection that's attached to self-righteousness that is arrogant and unteachable and, and feels elevated because of God's gifting. That is dangerous. Dangerous. And some would argue that that's what God, Satan, kicked out of heaven. Just saying. <laughs> Tyler Staton made a, a statement in one of his sermons, this is another pastor from, from another church, saying that Jesus is not afraid of empowering the disqualified. He's afraid of putting authority into the hands of those who have bought the illusion That they are qualified. God entrusts his power to fumbling messes with egos and mixed motives. So, what's your excuse? Are you waiting until you're Until until you've got everything all sorted out and figured out? Are you waiting until you feel like you have a a somewhat perfect track record over the last week or two or three or four or five, six months? Are you waiting until you've sorted out every insecurity? Are you waiting until the 14th person invites you to try something? Or is there a hunger and a desire to say, God, if if you're in this, I don't want to miss it. God, if you've got a plan, if you've, if you've gifted me something, if I can add value somehow, somewhere, God, I don't want to miss a moment of the adventure and the plan that you've called me to. Another thought is that spiritual gifts are different to natural and acquired gifts. This is a question that often comes up, and I've often struggled, I, I don't know why, but I've often struggled to answer this question, but the best way that I can describe this is that natural gifts are those things that you're born with. Okay, those things that you just want to bless other people over like bless you that you're so naturally gifted at math did you ever have that friend? I remember, I remember a friend in high school he was head boy, great sports person he'd come to, he'd come to school him a trick and like what, what, what exam are you writing today? oh math, oh okay, cool and get like an A like I was very, very happy for him that would be considered a natural gift okay he did go on to become a doctor. I mean, I'm hoping at some point he had to put some effort in. But anyway, th- those are natural gifts. Some people are, are naturally gifted athletes. Um, again, I mean, I, I had friends that, uh, or people that, that swam with me in high school where the, where the sister at 14 was swimming uh, at the South African adult woman competitions. He, he was phenomenal. But like they just didn't enjoy it and stopped. Again, I was like, "God bless you for having, you know, wonderful natural talents and not wanting to use it." But, but, but there are natural talents. Maybe you've been given charisma. Maybe you have a gift for music. Some people can just pick up stuff and just learn music. Others, others may appear gifted, but they've but but you don't know that they've worked for ten thousand hours. Added. Maybe your humour, maybe your charisma. Anyway, so those are those natural gifts. Acquired gifts are where you've had to work at it. So that is the muso that has put in ten thousand hours. That that is the person that has doggedly committed to a certain line of education. Or maybe you you have a high EQ and you've committed to learning how to. Work on relationships and, and lead well and be sensitive and be self-aware, there are things that we can learn. You can grow in leadership, you can grow in administration, you can grow in you know, certain skills, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, that that is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something that has not been learned, it's been given and assigned, but it can be developed. And I think that that is what can sometimes be confusing for us. Whether you like this or not, you don't get to choose your spiritual gifts. And they, and they have nothing to do with you. Your spiritual gift, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to bless others, it's to contribute to the body of Christ, to building his kingdom, and to bringing glory to God. There's nothing selfish about that, it is to contribute. And when you don't contribute, there should be a gap. Bruce Bugby, in his book, What You Do Best in the Body of Christ, defines spiritual gifts this way. Spiritual gifts are endowments or special skills given by God that enable us to make a unique contribution. They are not natural talents, but divine abilities that enable us to do ministry. So, so the, the key factor, the factors are that is given. And that it is to actually have a ministry effect. It's to actually have an effect on people's lives, on on something that is life-giving. So, for example, you can be a teacher that teaches math, and 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 that is. That is deeply appreciated. And you might have worked on that skill. And so someone learns how to work, math, but, but that doesn't in and of itself bring life and hope and, and freedom necessarily. But then you might have someone that's got the spiritual gift of teaching that is able to unpack passages of scripture where light bulbs go on. There's increased hope. There's increased motivation to actually walk in God's purposes with an increased confidence that he will do what he says and that it works. That's, that's different to the natural gift of teaching now the thought is that motive matters even though god uses people with mixed motives i just want to encourage and remind you that motives matter we need to check our hearts we need to check our motives character matters let love be the measure gifts spiritual gifts are the choices that god makes when he enters our lives but spiritual practices that help us mature those are our choices in following god So the gift is his choice, but us actually growing and maturing, that's our choice. And then serving, I couldn't make, I don't know how to make this more clear, I wanna emphasize this. Serving is not restricted to our gifts. Serving is not, try that at home. Hey, will you take the rubbish out? I just don't feel like I have the gift of helps. (laughs) You'll have the gift of the right foot of the person that you're talking to as they kick out of the house. No, no. Can we just can we just grow up and and also be okay with sometimes just contributing without fourteen angels confirming it and the light shining down and 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 like. The Holy Spirit you know, like, like like the Archangel Gabriel having to appear to you in person. Like like it's so in fact I would argue sincerely that that chances are the only way that you have even have a chance of figuring out what your spiritual gift is, is if you do something. Like start somewhere. Just start. You'll be amazed at how people will, will either affirm or very graciously like maybe encourage you to try something else? (laughs) I mean, this makes sense, right? How will you know if you don't go? Like if you don't just try something? And then obviously, hopefully this this is obvious, we must mature in the use of our gifts. Please don't think that if you have the gift that like it doesn't require any effort. Of course it requires effort. God is worth it. People are worth it. The kingdom is worth it. It takes effort to grow in your gift. If you have a gift of leadership, make no mistake, you're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to put effort into identifying your shadow side and how easily it is to abuse this gift and to and to use it. To achieve your ends as opposed to God's ends and to use it as an act of service, not not as an act of getting something out of it. You, you want to recognize your shadow side and how to check your heart and your motives and not to power up and manipulate and control people. Especially considering that spiritual gifts are used mostly in the kingdom context, for the most part you're going to be leading people that are volunteers, which means you actually don't have power over them. You need to grow in how to with love and sincerity and without manipulation, communicating a vision, inviting people to commit, but also having a thick enough skin to know that if you're a leader, you're gonna have to make choices and that people are not gonna always agree. And so you can't be insecure. You can't be driven by everyone's approval or disapproval. You actually need to dig deep into your relationship with God so that you are secure and leading with the right, from the right source, but with the right heart. There is so much space to grow there are leaders of tens the bible says leaders of 50s hundreds and thousands we can grow in the gift all right lastly i think yes last thought not the end of the sermon i know some of you are getting excited just want to do i just wanted to manage the expectations give me another 10 minutes supernaturally speaking Last thought is that we need all the gifts. We need all the gifts. Otherwise, we'll be lopsided. How foolish, how, how ignorant for us to, to value our gifts over someone else's, or someone else's over ours, or certain gifts while ignoring others. It's, it's lopsided. And I think because of abuses and misuses in the church, it is a lot safer, frankly. To deal with certain, like, like nobody has a problem with the mercy gift. Okay? Leadership, that can be controversial. Miracles? Mm, are they tricking us? Is this all just a facade? I mean, after all, you have magicians. Like, like I get it. So, so we need to increase our capacity for, for all the gifts while being very sensitive to God. So last week, Tammy spoke about the love gifts. I, I really would encourage you, to, if you weren't here, to go and download the podcast or watch the, the video on, on YouTube. But the love gifts um, are ultimately how we manifest the love of God in practical ways. The word gifts, which I'm gonna to touch on very briefly, clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. And the power gifts, which I'll talk about next week, demonstrate the power Presence and reality of God. Now, these are, these have been categorized this way according to human beings. This isn't, just so you know, this isn't in the Bible. Like the Bible doesn't, doesn't. Uh, guys, I wish the Bible was sometimes a little bit different. Like, like, couldn't it just be, couldn't just put everything together in one place? Couldn't it be a little bit more scientific and systematic and not require us to actually need to rely on the Holy Spirit and, God and be humble and learn and, and actually, you know, put effort into putting stuff together. So for example, there is no one exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. Some people argue that the Bible makes reference to 19 of them. Others make, make reference to uh, referring to 21 of them. And then, I mean, pretty much every scholar though would say that it's probably, there is no exhaustive list in the Bible. Like, like the Bible doesn't specifically talk about the gift of craftsmanship in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, we see that God anointed, specially anointed, Bezalel and Aholiab, to, to, to super. To, with with an extra ability to build the temple yeah. in the way that God wanted it. I am convinced to my core that the architect and the builder that helped renovate what was, I don't know, several different small units in this building, we are we're, we're right now, I'm standing in what was a passage, I, I feel, I'm convinced that they had a spiritual gift, this might sound so weird to people, to figure out where to put the toilets, where to put... How to fit things around all these pillars, these bleep bleep pillars that we can't move around. Passages, exits, and how to fit in our children, our preschoolers, parents and the parent, to the best of our ability. I feel like they were able to see with spiritual eyes, how to maximize that's that's what many would call a gift of craftsmanship. 2,000 years ago, we didn't have online media and film and stuff like that, but I am convinced that there are people that God has gifted with creative communication to create films or clips or dramas or dances or songs that are, that are able to help connect the truth of God's message to people. Anyway, the love gifts that Tammy mentioned last week were administration, helps, mercy, and giving. We've got, I've got a small little explanation next to it. You probably won't have time to read on the screen, so make sure you save your U version notes. And then what I want to touch on this morning, genuinely briefly, is the word gifts, which are teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, shepherding, and evangelism. So give me a few moments just to touch on each one. Teaching, as far as a spiritual gift goes, is a person, is when a person who has the gift of teaching is one who has the ability to instruct, explain, or expose biblical truth in such a way as to cause believers to understand that biblical truth. It's like the only way for me to say it is light bulbs go on. Maybe there are times where you, where you might, might watch a clip online or maybe maybe you watch one of those daily version clips or maybe you're, you're occasionally in a church service. We're like, I've read that before. How did I miss that? It's like something just makes sense all of a sudden and, and the light bulbs have come on and, and it's encouraging. It is a supernatural ability to explain and apply the scriptures. You don't have to have formal training to have a gift of teaching. I think there are people in life groups. There are people, We have people right now that are leading small groups with children that, that don't have formal training, but that actually have an ability to, to make sense out of a biblical message to the children that they're busy serving. I think you need an absolutely supernatural gift when you're doing that with preschoolers. Jesus was not formally trained the the early apostles were not formally trained in fact it was commented that they could see that they knew that they were unschooled but but there was something about them that doesn't mean that there isn't value in education there is in fact I would argue that people with a teaching gift probably have a a huge hunger to learn so whether it's formal or informal you want to learn I think of Christoph in the back there, if those of you that know Christoph, that, ha, that have any interaction with Christoph, I think there's a gift of teaching. Christoph wants to understand stuff. He, he, he applies his mind with, with, I believe, a humble heart and wants to help build bridges so that it makes sense to people from all walks of life, whether you're a Christian or not. There's a desire to understand and to help communicate this to others. Alarm bells go off for you when you feel like scripture is being misused. It's like something just like woo, that. I don't think that's what the Bible says, or what that scripture means. You're taking it out of context. And as I said, they are enthusiastic learners. If you are, a, if you have a gift of teaching, the body of Christ needs you. Secondly, exhortation, or or what we would more commonly call encouragement, or I think encouragement falls under exhortation, is here's the difference. If teaching is where the truth is clarified, exhortation is where the truth is applied, you are encouraged to apply the truth, you are encouraged to actually obey God, do what it, like guys, come on, there is hope, get back up, try again, this really does work, don't grow weary in doing good, like like, like when you have the gift of exhortation, you can't help but want to Sometimes it could seem really sweet, other times it can seem annoying, because like, you, you so barely want people to, to progress. People with the gift of exhortation are friends to your future. Yeah. Even if not always friends to your feelings. Yeah. And friends to your future are more important than friends to your feelings in that moment. Yes. They care about where you're going. You want people like that around, okay? Leslie B. Flynn put it this way, the gift of exhortation involves the supernatural ability to come alongside, to help, to strengthen, reassure, and encourage. John Thompson talks about how how exhortation can be broken up into three categories, which, which might make more sense to you when you think of it this way. That it can either come alive, this gift can come alive when you correct, so that is to rebuke gently, or to encourage or do you comfort? Sometimes you're comforting, sometimes you're just encouraging, and sometimes you're like, like, like there, there's, a, there's a gentle but clear way that you're, like have you ever had someone speak to you he felt like you had a hug, but afterwards you're like, I think they just, it's, it's like, have you been to a chiropractor where, they, where, they, where, where they're holding onto you pretty tight and then all of a sudden he's like a, <laughs> and it's like, I think he just did something to my skeleton, but he's realigned you. I'll never forget the first time I was in the waiting room when Sue went to, to, to the chiropractor. I think, I think I was in the waiting room. And if you've ever been to a chiropractor, I hope this isn't dodgy, that chiropractors isn't like a controversial, anyway. Um, uh, and, and you had to adjust her neck. I think the neighbor's 15 minutes away, heard Sue, heard Sue scream. She, she got such a fright at, at anyway. But, but that is, that is a c- correction. But again, if you're growing in that gift, then you're very careful not to manipulate, you're very careful not to control, you're very careful um, to to sense whether or not you have permission so that you're not just interfering. As you grow in this gift, again, you need to be very secure that that your faithfulness in the gift is not dependent on whether or not people thank you for encouraging or correcting. People won't often thank you for correcting them. And in today's age, 2022, you wanna be very careful. I mean, like, like you, need, you need permission, you need credibility. If you're gonna offer, like don't walk up to a stranger or don't walk up to, to a colleague at, w- at, at work tomorrow because you, you think God gave you a gift of in, you know, exhortation and just start correcting people left, right and center. You'll probably land up in hospital, okay? You, you need to have enough you know, credibility. Anyway, there's a lot more I can say about that. I'm just telling you that if you have a gift of encouragement, we need you. You'll, you'll probably find yourself sending messages or, or verbalizing you know, affirmation people you you think about people you 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 man there's just there's something you you can't understand what others aren't like you think that's just being a christian It's not you actually have a gift and you and you question other people's relationship with god when they're not also encouraging no no that's because you have a gift number three is apostleship and I won't get into this into too much detail, but, but the, the single greatest idea here is that it's often someone with a gift for creating something new in a kingdom context. So often, often missionary pioneers, not all missionaries are apostles, but missionary pioneers will often have a gift of apostleship. When you go into an area where there is absolutely no kingdom or Christian presence and you and you have a burden and, and an idea of how to get something started, but it could be church planting, or, or it could be in a local church context where you where you have a burden and a desire to start your ministry. You, chances are you're quite good at starting stuff. You're probably not the one that's going to stick around very long to maintain it. Year in year out, in fact, that'll probably drive you to alcohol in a way that would not be helpful <laughs> to you. Again, you have to grow in this. You, you it'll often be connected to a gift of leadership. You will need a thick skin you need to be discerning number four leadership is the divine enablement to cast vision like this is probably the single most important word I'd say around the gift of leadership there's you actually have vision you you tend to care more about the crowd than the individual and that could so easily be misunderstood it doesn't mean that you don't care about people it's it's just that you probably care more about a group of people than, than what you are burdened for for the single. I mean, you care about the individual, but, but you wanna help the whole group move somewhere. If, if Moses had, had only been concerned with one person coming out of Egypt, he might not have been able to lead the few million. out of it, it's, Again, there's so much wisdom needed, so much humility needed to appreciate the differences. The divine enablement to cause vision, motivate, and direct people to harmoniously accomplish the purposes of God. Did you notice that word, harmoniously? Make no mistake, that's a spiritual gift. Yeah. Have you tried to work with people in a church context? It's like herding cats, okay? I mean, we love it, but, but make no mistake. You, you, are, you are trying to get people to do something 100% voluntarily without manipulating, because that's cultic. it's manipulation and control that is from the occult that's evil that's from the other kingdom so 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 again it takes mature it takes maturity often you'll see a gap you'll have a burden for something but lots of people have burdens they're called critics i'm being very serious you can you can sit in church for years and be a critic Or if you have the gift of leadership you can actually be a good steward of it and do something about that which you're criticizing if you're a leader you are gonna notice the gaps if there were no gaps there would be no need for extra leaders and so it requires maturity it requires you being willing to try and fail and try again and put your hand up and take a risk again there's a great deal (laughs) that we could say about this leadership is more about the where we need to go than necessarily the how we're gonna get there. And again, that's why we can sometimes be quite discouraged and frustrated or irritated with leaders because you're like, like just tell us how to get, but that's actually not their gifting. Tammy spoke about the administrator last week, which I w- I really wish that we had a better name for it, because it sounds. I, mean, I don't know if it's a South African thing, but like when you think of administrator, you think of admin, you think of like someone that's filing and doing paperwork and making photocopies and answering telephones. I don't know. But but it's not. It is the chief operating officer. It is the it is the key strategist. It is the person that can come up with systems. It's, it's, it's the person that has enough humility and, and and a and a clean enough heart that knows that they don't have to be the point person leading, but they want to help make that vision come to pass. They want to help put wheels onto the vision and help. That group, that team, that ministry, that church, that group, whatever, that social justice project actually make progress. Does this make sense? There's something in you that can see where we should be, where we are, and why we can't afford to stay where we are. That speaks to a leadership gift, and we need you. Second, last one, very quickly, is shepherding or pastoring. Shepherding is a very biblical term. Doesn't sound all that sexy. It it just means that you care for people. Okay, it's it's so, where, so whereas leadership might be a gifting that tends to focus more on on moving, on moving groups of people, someone with a shepherding or pastoring gift, um, someone that tends to care more for an individual or small groups of individuals so ideally a life group leader a small group leader someone someone that is that is um maybe serving through the connect area and they're committed to journeying with a new believer someone that's just come to faith for the next 12 weeks because because they really want to help them progress that's probably someone that's got a shepherding or pastoring, gift and we need hundreds of those in all of the gifts examples i'm giving you none of this has to do with title we we just happen to live in a day and age where people call certain people pastors it doesn't mean that they are the pastors in the the spiritual gift sense churches that are going to be able to grow and love and serve and disciple people need tons of pastors that can walk with two people, three people, ten people, twelve people according to J. Robert Clinton the pastoral gift is the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group so as to encourage them in their growth in Christ which involves modeling maturity protecting them from error and sharing truth we have another example another definition in, in the new version notes I, I won't read that right now but but if you care about discipling if you care about people growing as an individual chances are you have <laughs> the gift of shepherding or pastoring if, you, if you're getting irritated because all these leaders keep talking about the goal and where we need to go but like they don't often talk about the person, the individual, chances are you have a pastoring gift. Are you noticing how we need to understand various gifts so that we don't misunderstand people's hearts? Do you know that the greatest achievement for the enemy in a church context would be misunderstanding and disunity? Whereas the greatest goal, I believe, of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the church is not perfection, it's unity. It's loving one another anyway. It's putting up with one another anyway. It's forgiving one another anyway. And the more that we understand some of these things, the more we don't assume the words. Last, last uh, example for today is evangelism. Don't get nervous, okay? I know that the term has, again, represents so many weird and, in some cases, terrible things around the world, but evangelism is the special ability to communicate the gospel message in relevant ways to unbelievers. I wanna highlight certain words there. Again, it's a special ability to communicate, so it's not just to do good, you actually communicate good. You actually communicate the why, you actually communicate the gospel. You communicate the gospel message in relevant ways. So you, you know, somehow you just find yourself being able to adapt to people that are coming from a, a more of an intellectual, apologetic point of view, or someone that is more just, just relational and, and experiential, or someone that, that is coming from a, from maybe a different religious background. You're able to adapt into relevant ways. Now, Now, where this is sometimes misunderstood is that like with most of the gifts, we're all called to... To, to be a certain way and to serve a certain way. So all Christians are called to be witnesses of Jesus, but not all followers have the gift of evangelism. And, and if that's all we emphasize and we don't actually have a balanced approach, then when that person who's maybe interested in following Jesus actually comes to a Christian gathering and everything else is just terrible because no one else's gifts are being used, that person doesn't want to join a toxic environment where there is no administration, mercy, leadership, creative communication, shepherding. But this gift is needed. You probably have this gift when you notice yourself praying for people that you interacted with during the day, or people that you work with, or, or family members. And again, you just think, like, don't all Christians do this? The answer is no, they don't. You have you have an extraordinary burden when you when you uh, connect with people. Maybe you're having a dinner together. You you are sensitive. You're not you're not. You're not insensitive, you're sensitive to when there's an opportunity to maybe share something that might build a bridge or connect the dots with someone, and you are committed to not just being impressive or nice or charitable, but you actually want to be able to communicate the gospel at some stage. The reason I say that is because it is so easy, in fact, some of you might even know this quote by St. Francis of Assisi, where he said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Now, now you need to understand the why behind that, And, 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 and the, the group of people that he was leading, the, the France, which then became the Franciscan monks, there was a determination towards, I think, towards a vow of poverty and towards wanting to make a difference in the, in the material, physical needs of people's lives. They were burdened for compassion, for justice, etc. cetera. Which, so all wonderful, wonderful things. And, and there, I, I love that quote. I've used that quote many times over the years because I think that there's power to it. But what we also have to remember is that there are loads of celebrities and philanthropists and npos and ngos that do good If there's no explanation as to what drives and moves the compassion. Where, where it's not just about alleviating physical discomfort but it's actually wanting to bring a an holistic freedom and holistic healing and introducing you to the one who loves you and where there is purpose and where there's forgiveness of sins. Well, you, you may be a blessing on a certain level but, you, but you're not fulfilling the great commission. Romans 10, verse 13 and 14 says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? Is that you? Do you have a gift of evangelism? Then use it well. Be a good Stuart, come on, won't you stand with me? I want to invite you just for the next minute or so. We're going to wrap up in a moment. I want to invite you just to close your eyes. And if you're willing to do this, open your hands just kind of as a sign of surrender. You don't have to be convinced of anything. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to just even pray a simple prayer like, God, if you're real, if this stuff, is true because I don't know maybe maybe there's something that, that's like been stirring up in you if this is real if this is true would you would you reinforce it would you affirm it would you somehow confirm it in a way that that is absolute for me and for others of you those of you that that know that you're in a relationship with God you know that you've accepted that forgiveness and you're trying to follow Jesus please can I ask you to simply ask God to reveal to you what He's putting into your hands and to help you to be faithful with it, to start where you are, not where you want to be, but to start where you are. And and for the last group of people, maybe you know what those gifts are. You know what those burdens are. You know those things that get your attention regularly and, and you actually know more or less where God is wanting to use you. Can you ask God to help you to serve him well on a daily basis, that you would recognize and respond to his opportunities, to add value, to build up the body of Christ, to bring God glory, and to build the kingdom. And maybe, maybe there are some of us that are here that actually need to even apologize to God for burying the gift. Where there are things that you know that God has entrusted to you for a purpose And you haven't wanted to risk or you haven't wanted, you know, you haven't liked the idea of it maybe costing you something and so you've simply buried it. If that's the case, I want to encourage you to apologize and to repent. Repent means to turn around, to change direction. Father, thank you that you invite us to be a part of this great adventure. God, that that our lives have a purpose, that you want us to be a part of your cause. And, and Lord, it's not even, the, the amazing thing is that it's not even just what you want to do through us, but, but, but in so many ways, we get to benefit from being a part of what you want to do in people's lives. God, that, that you would use us, that we would get to be a part of a bigger picture that is committed to the communities around us, to the people that we work with, to the church that you've called us to be planted in. Lord, that we would get to be a part of something that might just matter for eternity. Lord, what a privilege. Help us to be good stewards. Help us to be faithful. Help us to love you. Help us to walk closely with you and to be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.